You are listening to The Effective Statistician, episode number 56, How to Train Non-Statisticians Effectively, 11 Tips to Succeed. Welcome to The Effective Statistician with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, the weekly podcast for statisticians in the health sector designed to improve your leadership skills, widen your business acumen, and enhance your efficiency. Please follow me on LinkedIn if you're not already doing it because I'm sharing lots of useful content about being an effective statistician on LinkedIn regularly, more or less daily. So um, you can uh, get much more information there as well. And also you can see who's connected with me and um, you get useful information uh, via the others that follow me as well. So today we are talking about trainings and I'm pretty sure everybody has been asked to give some training on statistic uh, of statistics to non-statisticians. And this is also a question from our listeners. So we are responding to this question with this episode. As I said, it's a pretty common topic. However, there's a huge variety in terms of how these trainings are delivered. And over the years, I had good and bad trainings. I delivered good and bad trainings and have a lot of uh, experience in such way and honed in on doing better trainings over time. And today I'm summarizing this in 11 tips in terms of getting your training delivered really, really effectively. So keep on listening. This podcast is created in association with PSI, a global member organization dedicated to leading and promoting best practice and industry initiatives. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to special interest groups, the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars and much, much more. There's actually a reduced rate available at 20 pounds for non-high income countries. And it's just 95 pounds for high income countries. So it's really no brainer to become a um, member, especially given all the access to all these different things. Personally, I really like all the webinars. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org To learn more about the webinars and all the other PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician and this time it's again an episode between Benjamin and myself. Hi Benjamin, how are you doing? Hi Alexander, very well. Late at night. <laughs> yeah, as usual our uh, Tuesday evening recordings. Um, but that is always quite a good fun to have. It is. So today we actually talk about a topic that pretty much every statistician stumbles over in his or her career uh, on a rather frequent basis. Um, it's about training other non-statisticians about statistics topics. 
Yeah, indeed, this is something where everyone comes across talking about statistical problems or questions uh, with your colleagues or at university. If you did some, you know, supported PhD students uh, from medic, uh, medics um, and so on. So there's a lot of things, and this is a quite relevant topic for everyone. Yeah, and today we talk about more of these kind of formal training sessions so where you actually get a lot of people into a room or, uh, or you know via a virtual meeting or something like this where you get together and and really talk deeply about statistics it's not these let's say five minute uh, updates on what a p-value is <laughs> uh, <laughs> which pretty much everybody comes across from uh, on a regular basis, but it's more about how you can set up these uh, trainings for non-statisticians in an effective way. And it's really about um, 11 tips that I gathered over more than two decades that helped me to identify what are good ways to do it and what are kind of not so good ways to do it. And um, yeah, Benjamin, when first did you kind of train non-statisticians on, on statistics? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long time ago. Um, well, it, I, don't, I don't know when it was, actually. It was the beginning of my, well, in the, my career as a statistician, so back in universities when I was uh, supporting um, statistics for um, a, a geo, geology. Or, yeah. yeah, geology. geology yeah. In, yeah. Uh, And, you know, we did all the exercise uh, there together. And um, so I kind of prepared for, um, to explain specifics on statistics, very basic statistics in the, in the university course at that time. So yeah. Yeah. I also started at my university time uh, and um, set then went further and goes up until today, basically. And um, I, There's also lots of kind of general statistics trainings available. There's lots of things on the internet, lots of YouTube videos. Um, there's um, some organizations that uh, offer these general on-site training in terms of statistics. So um, there's lots of other sources you can actually pull from. Yeah, and actually, I, I suppose like everyone can imagine how the situation is. So you enter a room and you expect, um, you know, somebody to feed you with knowledge and and you know update on on specifics. But it's not actually your topic. So you know, it's it's somebody else from different department, different group, different uh, something you would like to learn, but you haven't been into involved into. So so. You can basically imagine, so what would be the kickoff for that one? So if you enter a room, if the training starts, so what would be the one that's really just, you know, kicking you off the seat to, to make you involved and interested in the topic? Yeah, and that is actually where lots of these uh, general tr trainings fall flat. Excellent. They kind of start with these, um, what's the mean and what's the standard deviation and what's the p-value and things like that. And that is comes across as from a first glance of being irrelevant to the audience because they can't relate it to their day-to-day -day life. So that's why I love to start with a relevant example, a study that is relevant to the audience. So let's say um, you have a group of oncology people and then you take a recent study from um, 
your companies that was published or maybe from a competitor's uh, companies that was just published and where everybody knows the background about it and that it's maybe even controversial. And then you really get the emotions uh, engaged in there. And I think that is um, where lots of people don't understand how learning works. Learning works if you are emotionally involved. That's a very, very kind of basic thing for it. Yeah. The opposite is, you know, it's a dry topic. So, you know, people get bored, people get not interested, and they just stop, stop following you from the very beginning. Yeah. And so this topic needs to be timely relevant. So, so uh, these kind of trainings for oh, you might need it in the future is usually not that attractive to people. It needs to be kind of, um, what, what's the term that I recently heard? Just-in-time learning, so to say. Mm. Yeah, That's the best way. The emergency of learning, I mean, the, the emotions and the drive to really pick it up, it's, it's, um, it's higher than uh, the future you know, the future position for something uh, you might need in the future. Yeah, and uh, also it helps them to get some feedback and some learnings that they can directly use in their day-to-day -day mm. work. So when they need to explain that, you know, if you do a training to uh, medics, then they further need to communicate that to uh, other business partners, to sales or to marketing or whoever. And so that's why they are really eager to learn in these kind of situations. Yeah. What is also really nice is that you speak in their language in these settings. You speak about their treatments, their endpoints, and their, their patients that they know of. Mm. Yeah, that's real because that's how they imagine their problems. So that's how they see their problems in their words and their endpoints, their patient. So that's, that's uh, very important to not fall back in your day to day stats language, but really use the, the words and the, the, the mindset that the, the audience has. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what's the second tip then? So I would say the second tip is um, collect questions up front and track progress of answering them during the training. Um, that is something that I very often do in terms of uh, taking these questions, um, you know, what, what's on your mind regarding the study, what are kind of the topics that you don't understand, um, where are kind of your pain points, what are the Uh, terms that you don't understand, the, the, the language, the stats language that you don't understand, it, where are the confusions? And I just kind of collect them all on a flip chart, for example. Yeah, flip chart is a good idea because you can cross them off, you can go over, you just, you know, ask them if they are now answered, involve the people to, you know, to see, get the feedback and the question. Yeah. Yeah. And that is also something that you can then at the end kind of can go through and make sure, okay, I covered this one, I covered this one, I covered this one, oh, it's this one I maybe missed. Um, and then you can still explain about it. And that way you can really give people the feelings that they're listened to, uh, their, um, their questions are taken seriously. And it's really also a very, very nice way to kind of get engagement at the, at the beginning. By the way, it's quite, it's also quite 
good if you're experienced as a trainer to tick them off in between. Because at the end, you know, if you then fall back and saying, well, you know, remember two, two hours ago, <laughs> we talked about this topic so it's it's really good if you if you manage to you know to tick it off once you really cover covered it at the moment then this is even more interaction than than it would be at the end of this of the training yeah usually when i'm in the training and delivering the training i'm so focused on the audience that i forget about the flip chart yeah yeah that's fine. <laughs> if it's if it's if if the situation allows yeah 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 and it also helps you to kind of um, funnel kind of your training in, in such a way that you're not talking about things that, that nobody raised because there could be lots of kind of side topics about the, the study or the, the uh, topic of in interest that um, you are passionate about from a stats perspective, but it's not a big topic for the, for the audience. Yeah, and then also be careful because the, you know, if you if you ask the questions and you collect the questions, and there are questions that you either are not able to answer with the training or during the training, mm -hmm. then um, don't fall into you know trying to answer it just in between or something. But then keep this non-ticked off items uh, for other trainings or for follow-up or something. Don't yeah. because some most of the people like, except the one who that asked the question, but all the other people are probably not interested in that question. And if it doesn't fit to the training, then you know it's it's not worth following in. So don't overdo it with answering all the questions, but then keep it off and, and um, use the non-ticked ones to follow up. Yeah, there, there sometimes, you know, people come up with completely unrelated questions. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, these things are, you can follow up in one-to-ones or whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another kind of uh, nice way, so that's uh, tip number three, is... Um, that you create regular meetings to engage people. So um, these one-time events to, to train things are, are good, but if you have regular interactions, that is even better because it helps you in a couple of different ways. First, it helps you to build relationship with people. If you say connect with you on a regular basis, that is really awesome. It raises your um, level as an expert and um, it also helps you to train your presentation skills. Yeah, so you Indeed. become better uh, over time. And for me personally, I think presentation is one of these skills where you can really just learning by doing it. That is, you know, you can read about it, but <laughs> really the learning is into doing. And um, yeah. Yeah, but this is this is also depending on the you know obviously depending on the topic, because um, you know if it's a if it's a on on a very specific topic a training then you know this will probably be covered you know in one training. But there might also, especially during the conduct of a study or you know if you if you really build on developing something within the company, then uh, these regular meetings where you have this interaction and, and the training, uh, it's, an, it's an ideal way of moving forward, yeah. Yeah, and I think there is sometimes you can actually use um, existing regular meetings that, you know, the specific audience that you have anyway has, you know, kind of maybe they have regular staff meetings or regular kind of update meetings and you take maybe, you know, 
15 minutes of these uh, or half an hour of these longer meetings where, where you speak about these things. So, yeah. Yeah, but the downside is that you know if you if you build up on you know developing the statistical skills and build up on one after the other, then the, the people have missed one of the meetings or two meetings for whatever reason, vacation or so, you know they need to catch up. So um, it is it's a good idea, especially if it's between statistician who can easily then maybe pick up. Like if it's a, but yeah. if it's with um, non non statistician, and this is what we talking about, this is um, not not always the ideal situation in these follow up meeting, but could be an option. Yes. Yeah, so, so of course, if um, my understanding is very often you need to repeat things anyway a couple of times. <laughs> so, so um, you need to understand, you know, repeat what a p value is a couple of times. You need to repeat what multiplicity adjustment is a couple of times. You need to, you know, and that is also where I, I think these regular meetings make a lot of sense because people don't get it from listening it, to it the first time. Uh, they get get it from listening to it a couple of times, and, and in different situations, and then they see kind of the um, the abstract statistical thinking behind it. You know, they they very often think like, oh, a t test for maybe a certain endpoint is something different to a t test for for other endpoint, yeah, or something like this. But you know. This kind of abstract thinking is sometimes missing in, in these uh, fields. Yeah, these these the minutes in the beginning of to to also repeat things that have been done before, or maybe just to bring everyone up to speed, or just warm them up. Um, it's quite good as well to motivate the people to engage them. Yeah, maybe that is tip number three: a repeat things. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a bonus. Could tip, also so be say. number one: a because it's for the beginning <laughs> of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next one is um, it's a good good tip number four is to um, in between interrupt your presentation to ask questions. So yeah. to ask the the audience and make sure that you don't lose them. So really, just you know, to wake them up again. I mean, in in between when when you're doing the training, you need to monitor the engagement um, of your audience anyway. So, oh, how many people are playing with a smartphone? you know, laying, falling asleep at the desk. <laughs> so it's really, and um, this is interrupted, get them back on, ask questions and make sure you don't lose them. Yeah. And I think that is specifically, um, that's a big problem for any presentation, of course, but I think for these stats presentations, it's even more uh, important because you can also, via that, check whether they have uh, understood things whether you lost them somewhere. Yeah, you give them a little bit time to reflect on things and, and ask additional questions. And then maybe you need to repeat a couple of different things. So that is, you know, has a couple of different nice features in it. And well, I think we all have been sitting in presentations where we got lost after 10 minutes. And the presenter went on for another 30 minutes, <laughs> which was then not as useful. Yeah, without looking up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that is, a, you know, that is really, really important to kind of um, monitor your audience all the time. Yeah. And that is, of course, easier in a face-to-face -face, uh, situation than if you're doing giving an online 
presentation. But I, what I always encourage people is then to use the chat um, functionality to type in something like there. You can use kind of polls or, uh, or other things, how you can kind of... Um, interact with the audience. It depends, mm -hmm. of course, a little bit also on how big the audience is. Kind of if, if you uh, do that with 100 people, then it's different if you do that with six people. That's, yeah, uh, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and one thing is also like, if possible, and I had lately some experience with that, is really to use video conferences. Absolutely. I mean, just the webcam, um, you know, on your phone or on the computer, every notebook now has a webcam, every phone has it. So use this small you know feature and this is very helpful indeed as well yeah so as a presenter a presenter i would always turn on the camera yep. because you get across so much more information by showing your face by showing your body language um and you waste that if you don't turn on the uh, camera And for the audience, it's also good that they actually see themselves because that helps them to stay focused. Yeah. It's usually, and, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, this is, but, but also practice how to behave on video. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of um, important, but it's a different topic in itself, but it's just, um, it's just monitor yourself as well, um, you know, because you sometimes if you're, if you're, feel like you're on unwatched then um, you start <laughs> playing with your hair just take some simple things that you yeah. so i mean it's it's, it's seriously it's you know make sure that you're visible to the to the to the audience but um, also how you're visible this so just monitor this as well yeah yeah well of course that is uh goes together with maybe another bonus tip is to make sure that all the setup works kind of the logistics yeah. around it yeah so That's very, very basic that you are understood and that, you know, everybody can hear you and these kind of things. But it's, you know, sometimes it, it falls flat on these basic things. I was, I remember I was once at a, at a rather big conference and there were two sessions behind each other on the same topic. And I was one of the presenters in these sessions. And afterwards, someone said to me, Oh, your presentation was the best one. I said, why? Well, actually, your presentation was the only one I understood because the audio in the room was that bad that I didn't understand any of the other presenters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but uh, I mean, every one of us knows these teleconferences. You know, we log in, it takes five, ten minutes that, you know, the, all the background noise is gone, the echo is gone, and, and you know, the, the, the presenter is being heard and, and all the so this is this is annoying and you're already lost when you when you wait five minutes until whatever starts so yeah. that's why i make sure it works yeah yeah the next one i think is a very very powerful way to communicate and that is um to use contrasts to show the impact and uh one example where i uh, come across that very, very often is, for example, handling missing data and uh, showing it if you do it that way or if you do it that way, kind of what is the impact on the outcome. And, and so contrasting different analysis met, uh, methods against each other. Yeah, and that, that links back to, to like a real-life example because the, it, it really shows 
um, you know what what it means to use statistics or to or, you know, whatever you use or whatever you present them. So um, you know, with handling missing data, um, I mean, for every every way of handling missing data, there's an argument. Yeah, it's fine. People can understand the argument, but they don't see it. They see it if you show the differences. Yeah, and you can use also in terms of um, if you don't analyze data set you have, but you look into um, the design of a study or the design of analysis and you look into different scenarios. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so um, you want to understand those response relationship and um, you have alternative ways to model that. And then you can say, okay, if it's that way and we use that approach, then in these kind of scenarios, it looks like that. And if we use a different analysis approach for these different scenarios, it looks like this. Yeah. So that people get a, from these scenarios, get a better understanding of what's the mathematical formulas behind to it. Because we often think in formulas, we can read formulas, but non-mathematicians, non-statisticians really struggle with that a lot. So um, for them, it's much more easier to get into these practical scenarios. Yeah, always remember that you're talking about it. We are today aiming for non-statisticians. So these people may not even understand the mathematical formulas. So they yeah. to understand the impact, whatever the work is, what we do, um, they need to understand the differences in outcome, not yeah. the formulas. Yeah. So that's why this is this is where where you bring them the uh, the explanation in their words in their thinking yeah and not in mathematical don't try to dive into formulas yeah and people like to think of scenarios it's, it's that's what yeah. they're used to so they have a, a worst average and best case scenario and for for kind of different ideas or you know slow recruitment, fast recruitment average recruitment time scenarios so you can come up with all kind of different meaningful scenarios and go through them and, and understand what are the pros and cons for these different um, analysis approaches or design approaches. It's also nice to contrast um, kind of, for example, in, in one study versus another study. Okay, here this analysis approach was used with that outcome. Here another analysis approach was used in a similar study maybe a different sponsor, um, and, and that was the outcome. Yeah, because this is what they read. <laughs> That's yeah. what they see. Yeah, yeah. But these contrasts make it much more easy to kind of show the differences and show the impact of yeah, different absolutely. approaches. Yeah. 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 Okay, tip number six. Or 1B. Okay, 1B. Well, it's to have a physician first introduce the example study. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that is actually a couple of uh, nice ways about that. So um, I used to do very often kind of the presenting of the study, but um, if you let a peer of the audience introduce it, so let's say a physician or if you're training um, uh, medical liaisons, another medical liaison, or if you're training sales, a salesperson, yeah. Um, that helps that they get a kind of 
uh, understanding in their language. You see mm -hmm. where what kind of language they use. You see what kind of problems they have, where they struggle to present it, and where they have the, the open questions. Uh, it also actually takes away work from you, which is quite nice as well. <laughs> Well, you should, you should, well, it, not, not really, because usually you should kind of review together with the, uh, with the presenter, whatever it's presented, because, you know, if this is then off the topic, then what we really <laughs> want to do. So that's, <laughs> so I mean, I mean, you know, especially salespersons, they, they might lose it at some point, like at least compared to the eyes of a statistician. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's, uh, it's just changing the work a little bit more than, than getting, getting rid of the work. Yeah. But what, what it, What it also does is really that that the the audience um, is sympathizing with this because they you know they're they they don't have the feeling that the arrogant statistician is just talking stats. It is really that you have themselves introduce the topic or a study or, or whatever whatever it is to to understand to make them understand. You know, I try to make it for you. It's mm -hmm. not I'm not doing the stats here. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. it's for you. And I think that's very, very powerful and helpful to get people from the audience or people from or people alike, you know, the audience involved uh, to do the introduction and the presentation first in the beginning. Yeah, it just increases this kind of collaboration, partnership with, with the people and this more yeah. kind of we are here in one room together, maybe virtually together to, you know, help each other and get together in, in one boat. And um, also that helps to more easily and naturally get into discussions about topic. Yeah, so, so you can very easily then engage with a, a presenter uh, and, you know, then take it from there and, and go through the different topics. Um, and also it makes it less boring for the audience. If there's uh, is, yeah. two, two presenters yeah. or more presenters, yeah. So yeah. Uh, tip I number have, seven. I, no, just oh, one, one last thing for tip number six. So, so if you do that on a regular basis, one of the examples that I applied quite successfully was um, a regular journal club. So where um, for a specific therapeutic area, we got together on a regular basis and looked into um, top studies, top studies in terms of, you know, either our own studies or uh, important um, competitor studies or so on, and um, on a regular basis. And then, you know, someone from the audience would always introduce a study, and then you come up with a specific kind of statistical challenges. So it was like a circle. So pe different people from the audience was yeah. doing every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tip number seven then. Yeah, um, don't be shy speaking about very basic things in statistics, like p values or something. It's it's really important that you don't think that you know these basic things are just easy to understand for everyone. So that's why 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 bothering? No, I mean you're talking to non-statisticians, so. Really, um, if you talk about p-values, just take a step back, explain it again, very calm, and just explain it for to those who didn't understand it or, or are afraid to ask. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you you might be wondering how many people don't remember the t-tests. You know, it's about yeah, 
<laughs> the Russian one is about independence now. So I mean, this is this is really just you know make them you know bring it up again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's there's always quite a fraction in the audience that um, needs to understand these uh, basic things again, and yeah. and it links back to an earlier kind of comment that made about uh, repeating things is where you get the learning. Yeah. Tip number eight. That is maybe a little bit of a controversial one, and it really applies mostly for face-to-face meetings, although you could also use it for virtual meetings. I actually prefer whiteboards over slides, <laughs> which is uh, is maybe against the common trend to use kind of PowerPoint slides wherever. Um, but there's a couple of things where why I think uh, whiteboards is better. So the first thing is it forces you to explain slowly. You know, it's so easy to put a slide and then go to the next one and the next one and the next one. And you rush through the slides without kind of going through the details. You know, you easily miss kind of what is the axis or, you know, what is this line or what is that one and and where is this kind of coming from and if you kind of show it on a whiteboard and you kind of um, write things up as you speak as you develop them you have a natural kind of way to build up things and the audience very easily can follow that it also helps you to keep it to the most important things to keep it simple and not have any kind of, you know, too much distractions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, well, I, I do agree in a way. Um, I have some concerns, um, like just looking at myself because I would probably forget half my, the topics if I don't have the slides. Mm. Uh, no, I, no, yeah. I know what you mean, but I think it's, it's, I mean, first of all, it's only for face to face. I think on the, on the computer screen, I mean, you can use whiteboard on, on presentation, you know, to, to present in a way, but this is, um, I think people won't really follow. But what I would suggest is really to, um, to use, I would generally use slides, but then once in a while, step back and get, examples top specific topics on a whiteboard so don't use it all the time but use it as part of the presentation for two reasons one is what you already mentioned with the uh, with the reasons why you know whiteboard is better than slides yeah. and also to just change the scenario yeah to do it um you know slides on the one side and you know, go to the other side of the room and then use the whiteboard. So I think this, if it's if the yeah. location allows, I think this is something that um, I would be considering rather than doing all on whiteboard. Yeah, that's a good kind of another good tip that that you kind of alternate the different mediums and and uh, you speak about certain things there and and then you can kind of um, just thinking on your feet. Uh, come up with a couple of additional things that you may have mm. no slides for, which is another kind of good way for for whiteboards. So, yeah. Creating a slide yeah. on the on the on the fly is quite difficult. 
it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you use slides, I mean, I mean, this is this is also you could probably fill one one uh, podcast episode for using PowerPoint. Um, but uh, some episode basic, basic a complete rules. podcast series probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, there are so many mistakes we can do on on slides. But no, anyway. But it's what well, I think. What what is important is. Um, you know what's one of the examples for the for the whiteboard is you know keep it simple don't overdo it don't overdo with the you know error here and pointing there and and interaction between and and all these things i think keep it simple like when that once you open it everyone can read in read it within few seconds that's it yeah yeah and avoid greek letters <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you, you may have to explain them anyway <laughs> Uh, and and of course it's also good to build um, a slide set over time so that you kind of collect slides and and add further kind of slides to it because um, if you especially in the setting where you have regular meetings then you can go back to earlier uh, slides that you used uh, there as well and then you for a couple of things of course you know you can basically have some really general things um, and then can make them more specific to the different examples. So, yeah. And you can make use then for these general things also like the backup slides, you know, which yeah. are hidden and then you just pull them out in case there's a question, a specific question. So, so kind of, yeah. Yeah. And um, using graphics, pictures. So visualize. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Um, one of the key important things most important things for for having the audience following you so if they stare at the slides try to read a mathematical formula with greek letters you know you lost them yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that is where kind of this scenario kind of building comes into yeah where you can kind of show slides for uh, or graphics for the different scenarios and contrast things so that is where also Graphics and pictures uh, and figures are really, really nice. Okay, tip okay. number nine. Use technology for your advantage uh, in virtual settings. So whereas tip number eight, maybe with the whiteboard, was uh, especially for the face-to-face -face meetings, this is much more for the um, virtual meetings. And there's a couple of very, very nice tools you can use. Yep. Pulse chats. Yep. You know, just to really interact with the with the audience and get their feedback right away and get the people wake up and uh, be involved. Uh, it's that's very good to use. Yeah. And and of course also in uh, in danger of repeating myself to the hundredth time. Turn your camera on. That's also a kind of uh, yep. use technology for your advantage. And um, get, you know, very, very professional with the software that you're using. So um, should be kind of knowing inside out where you can, you know, uh, build things up easily and, and uh, advance stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we already mentioned the whiteboard functionality. So this is this is available in some of the um, software or browser-based uh, solutions for for these uh, virtual settings as well. And um, this is also where you can draft something, maybe like a like a quick yeah. 
picture or question or just playing around with it to um, to get some things um, Yeah, you know, get people or highlighters and pointers that you can use. You know, yep. so so this is also very very nice to make it. You know, not just the slides, but you can when you talk about certain things, you can kind of tick them off or you know highlight them or um, uh, use your pointer to kind of uh, make sure your people have their eyes guided to the point where you're speaking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, just uh, always remember. I mean, everyone is was in the situation of just reading slides on on your computer while you hear voice over the phone. So this is something, and the difference really to to a real face to face setting and a training is that you see where people are pointing at, how people are behaving, how, how the trainer is acting, interacting with you, and um, even though you know some people are still in the 80s or 90s with the, the training habits um you know just just remember that that this is not you know it will not be the audience anymore and people are interested in following you and being actively involved and inter interaction in in general so that's why keep them in keep them involved and get them their attention by using the uh, functionality of the um, visual settings yeah Then let's go to tip number 10, and that is about the pre-read. So I have seen lots of trainings where you get kind of 10 papers as a pre-read. Really, nobody has time to read these. <laughs> and especially if it's not 10 papers from, uh, you know, stats uh, journals. So um, yep. uh, make it really yeah. easy. And what I recommend is using just the example study um, so that everybody has at least kind of read that one and, and knows about it. Yep. If it's a high-profile study, most of the people will read it anyway or have read it anyway so that it's not, you know, additional things for them. But, yeah, sending stats material for pre-read My my experience is nobody does reads that, and it's mm. more annoying than helpful. Yeah, I always remember the people. I mean, depending also on the training, you know, if the people are paying for training a lot of money and they they are really engaged differently, then this you know a training that you offer for free just because somebody asks in your company for colleagues and and they might come in and yeah it might be interesting to to talk about it so they're less interested if you just stuff them with um you know <laughs> 10 papers it's absolutely clear that nobody will read it yeah. so um that's why make sure i mean you might even you know spend time on preparing the pre-reading yeah um it's not not only just sending a you know the link to amazon link to the book yeah that they can buy to pre-read <laughs> so this is that's not the way it works so that's why yeah. if you if you want to get them involved uh and maybe maybe step up to a certain level or like a common level for everyone uh, on then then you might even need to prepare the pre-reading to make it most efficient for the for the training itself yeah and of course you you know maybe you have some uh the example study kind of condensed in slides that you could send to make it easier or you could, you know, um, possibly add, you know, one question that they, you know, look into as a, as a you know, pre-assignment, so to say. Um, but make it really easy. That is, uh, is, is really important. And, of course, timely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
And it's also, again, depending on the audience, because if you do like a stats presentation for bachelor students, they might not even know what a paper is. But on the other hand, if you do it to your colleagues who are in the, you know, in the professional environment for years and reading papers up and down for, you know, every day, then um, a paper, it's one paper is something that they will just quickly, you know, read and and be available. Yeah. Tip number 11, our final tip is uh, about collecting feedback. Uh, pretty basic tip, but still very, very often forgotten. Um, and I think it's really, really awesome to collect feedback and especially in these reoccurring meetings because it helps you to get better over time. Uh, you can even show, okay, you know, last time I got the feedback, um, X, Y, Z, and I addressed it in this way. And that shows really that you care about your audience. Mm-hmm. No, it's an excellent point, I think. And even though it might not be, um, it's also like, a, um, it might not be easy because I think also for collecting feedback, this should be very well thought through. Um, I mean, we are statisticians, we know how to collect data. <laughs> so, um, you know, you can ask the right questions or not. And um, therefore, this is this is the way. And also here, it's it's important to engage the people. Yep. You know, you, yep. you probably know as well for, for many cases that you get, you know, and just, just a white paper with some questions on it and you can tick it and, and then leave it on your desk for, before you leave the training. Um, but actually, this is not very. Um, it's nice quanti- quantitative, it's, but sometimes the qualitative yeah. feedback is much more important. Yeah, and and that's you know talk to people as well, get their feedback verbally if you have the chance um, to see where where gaps are, where questions are, where ideas are for next trainings or meetings. Um, use electronic form. Yeah. I mean, people sometimes are more responsive to a doodle uh, yeah. question than they are to a, to a white shape paper, yeah. paper because they don't even know how to use a pen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, no, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's changing. It's it's yeah. so get people involved. Make uh, make this um, an important part of your tra- of of your presentation of your training. Yeah. Even though it's after your training, it's still a very important part for you. Yeah, you could even potentially do a little bit of a gamification on it, but but that's maybe on a different topic. Mm-hmm. But it also helps you to um, identify some blind stop- spots in your training skills, your presentation skills. So, um, you know, see... Well, it does. Yeah. But you have to ask the right questions yeah. for that one. Yeah. You have to be brave enough to ask the right questions. And the right people. So people in the audience that you trust, they will give you honest feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's it for today. Excellent. So if you want to kind of uh, find all these tips, of course, like always, they are in the show notes. Just go back to the homepage and it's it's really kind of the... having relevant examples, uh, showing that you care about the uh, audience, you speak in their language, you engage with them, you collaborate with them, you explain things easy and and repetitively um, and collect feedback to get better and better and better over time. Um, So this is one of the examples where you'll never do it perfect but you need to start doing it to, you know, improve. 
Excellent. You need to get better on this. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And of course, uh, one thing maybe, and don't fear that they that you may you know become obsolete. You know, these are so basic things. Usually, U.S. statistician mm -hmm. will never become obsolete. That is, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. So some some people have this kind of fear, but it's really, yeah. No, that's pointless. No, you're not. And especially not if you talk to a non-statistician. Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Nice talking yeah. to you. Talk to you next week again. Okay, bye, Alexander. This show was created in association with PSI. And next week I have a guest where we talk about risk-based monitoring. He's an expert in that area and does it for quite some time. So tune in next week again. Thanks for listening. Please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes of today and learn more about our podcast, Boost Your Career as a Statistician 